Welcome listeners to episode 39 of the Running Guide podcast, where I aim to provide informative content and interviews with elite athletes and health professionals from around the world, like in today's episode, where I'm welcoming back to the show a Victorian runner who's competing at the elite level on the domestic and international scene for well over a decade now, and will next month jump on a plane to compete at his second consecutive Olympic Games marathon. Welcome to the Running Guide podcast once again, Liam Adams. Hey Liam, how you going? Thanks. Not too bad, yourself? Yeah, excellent, excellent. Are you just saying off air before that you're in Canberra? What's that all about? Uh, well, um, we a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a race in Launceston um, that we were all looking to do, and um, we kind of got blocked from doing that. Uh, yeah, just it was a bummer, wasn't it? The, yeah, the COVID issues in Melbourne. Mm. So we're getting towards the, the two-week mark um, leading into Gold Coast Marathon, and we kind of had to make a decision whether we were going to uh, run the gauntlet or or basically like look for other options to so that we could get into Queensland because currently oh well up until today there was a two-week um, quarantine um, going into Queensland for Melbournians so um, we our, we were just looking at ways that we could do it and the way we could bypass that was to spend two weeks beforehand in Canberra and that way we didn't have to we could still train like normal and then go straight up to Queensland without any issues so um yeah well as of today they announced that um Melbournians and Victorians uh, are allowed up so it's good good to hear that um everyone else will be uh coming up yeah to yeah. do the race okay yeah so I didn't realize you guys had were actually in Victoria in Melbourne uh we spent a little bit of time up in Cairns we were doing a little 10-day heat acclimatization okay. right. um, training camp yep. and uh, you're just testing out things like hyperhydration and kind of gut training and nutrition for the race and um, and just like a little bit of acclimatization towards the heat. Right. Um, yep. So yeah, we're up in Cairns for, it was supposed to be 10 days, but um, we had to come back early to make sure we got the first COVID jab. So okay. um, yeah, we didn't get the full day, uh, 10 days up there, but uh, currently at the moment, um, Ali Pashley's up in uh, Noosa okay. doing some training. Yeah, because I just thought, yeah, maybe you guys were trying to avoid going back to Victoria because it's obviously had its issues with COVID. So I thought, oh, that made <laughs> sense that you guys are staying out of Victoria, but you actually have yeah. been back there. Okay. Yeah, we, we had to come back just for the jabs. We couldn't get uh, our injections up in Cairns. So, we, yeah, we had okay. to come back. And is we that, all had is, it, that... is that because you're Victorian, you have to have the jab in Victoria? Or what do you mean you had to? Uh... I'm not quite sure. I think um, the Queensland athletes had to do it in Brisbane and and stuff like that. So we'd have to fly to Brisbane or okay. whatever else. But they they couldn't get it organised. So we had to come back to Victoria early and do that. We all had plans to go back up to Queensland to do some uh, heat acclimatisation, and I think everyone was in the same boat. And they were they're all looking to get into Queensland and that straight after Gold Coast Marathon, and that was going to be their large stint leading in into the Olympics. So when did you actually yeah. stop working? Basically last week. So okay. um, I got the call maybe on Tuesday and um, they said, yeah, it's, we're still getting no responses from the Queensland government on exemptions or anything like that. So I was basically told on Tuesday that the tell work, <laughs> given very short notice that, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to be able to work from then on in. So last week was my last day of work yeah okay 
So it's not as if you've been off for four weeks just hanging out in cans and training full time. <laughs> you've still been shuffling work in between it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, been pumping out roughly 200k weeks and working 40 hour weeks. So, wow, nothing's um, changed, mate. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, nothing much, but yeah, yeah, I was getting a little bit tired through that period. Okay. Um, yep. And I was like, rec- I was like, pretty much every day after work, I was just needing a nap straight after work. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And just before the training, and then yeah, I found out um, just over a week, uh, like last week, that I had a low ferritin levels and a wow. few other issues. So okay, um, yeah, so that kind of explains why I was a little bit tired between work, yeah. work and running. Yeah, what low enough to need the uh, infusion or injection? Yeah, or? needed yeah. an infusion. So okay. my uh, levels were my ferritin levels were sixteen, and I think okay. um, yeah. Your normal range is supposed to be between thirty and three hundred and twenty. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, mine was sixteen, so it was pretty low. Yeah, yeah. Um, mine was thirty-two, so I, I have to pop the pills for three months, mate. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I sort of know how it feels, but yeah, sixteen—that's that, certainly getting down there. But the hematocrit yeah. and, and everything was fine; like it hadn't dropped that down much. Um. So the other things, uh, which were were wrong, um, which yeah were quite low as well, was um. White blood cell count, red okay. blood cell counts, yeah. and yeah, yeah, that was pretty much the main ones. Yeah, that and the ferritin. Oh, well, that's good. At least, uh, at least you, you know, you know, there's there's a bit of an answer there why you were fatigued, apart yeah, from obviously and then, working and running. But uh, yeah. it sort of gives you a bit of hope that you're actually going to come good. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I I had a couple of like average type sessions, which I was a little bit disappointed with, but yeah. I was still having some really good sessions. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought maybe I was a little bit tired and whatever else. So, yeah. yeah. Having having that diagnosis kind of gives me confidence Definitely. that um, what like once this infusion kicks in and yeah. stuff like that, yeah, I'll be well on top of things and I'll be running even better than what I was. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Fantastic. That's good. And what the process yeah. takes like half a day or something, doesn't it, for a transfusion? It's not like in and out, is it? No, this one wasn't wasn't that long. So okay. I think it was. It might have been about fifteen to thirty minutes. I okay. think thirty minutes in total, and then they you just sit there for half an hour, and they just make sure yeah everything goes fine. Like, okay. Make sure too sick from it i was speaking to someone who recently had it done and she, yeah she was saying there was half a day it took and um it wasn't cheap and uh yeah she said she felt <laughs> she felt nauseous maybe once or twice but it was like five days after the transfusion but then after that it was fine so yeah it wasn't feeling too great for a couple of days yeah um i think yeah i, I felt a little bit the immune system and everything was a bit low and yeah. didn't feel that great for maybe four days and then yeah I've, I've done a few hard sessions since then a, a marathon session on tuesday and yeah um i think i did my best best uh marathon session for a while so yeah, well in this particular session it was my best one of that particular session so yeah do they even look at the bloods again in a couple of weeks to see how much it's improved or they just assume that it's going to be good and they don't worry about it um well i haven't spoken to the olympic doctor about that but yeah. i think yeah i think i should get uh, another blood test done in a couple of weeks time just to see how the levels are going mm. and yeah i'm pretty sure that that's probably what they'll recommend to, yeah yeah to no, i'd just be interested so. to see how how much it boosts that ferritin level up you know if it's like yeah. is it 50 or is it 100 it'd just be interesting to know yeah yeah well that mm. it'd be good to know how much of like of an effect it has but it'd mm. also be good to know where my baseline level is so. yeah so um do you regularly look at your bloods like was that a shock to you like if you normally had your ferritin looked at and no, it's been okay um, or? 
It seems I, I only really get blood tests done when I'm doing a, a medical screening for Olympic teams or Commonwealth Games teams. So yeah, yeah. that's that's the only times I've ever really got it done. But um, each time I kind of get it done, they keep saying, oh, your ferritin's a little bit low. Um, okay, yep. Yeah, you might need to have some ferrograd C or something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it was obviously never usually, under that 30 that it made the alarm bells go off, but it might have just been in yeah, that 30 well, to 40 range or something. Well, I don't think I've actually seen um, the physical ranges before, Yeah, my physical ranges. So I, I don't know what the last few readings were. So it would be good to know what they were and yeah. if it's a regular issue or if yeah. I'm just naturally really low all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that data should be somewhere. I mean, I, I can look yeah. at all my numbers all the way back for, for decades, you know. So yeah. it'll, yep. be, it'll be sitting around somewhere, yeah, for sure. All right, mate. Let's. Um, what I want to do is just uh, sort of refresh for the for the listeners um, the 2016 uh, campaign. Obviously, the run in the Tokyo was um, was a little bit better, less tribulation than, than the Rio. So you went over to Chicago, and um, that's when you had your first problem with with one of your hamstrings. So that was October 2015. You were uh, headed over to Biwa in 2016, and uh, believe it or not, the other hammy went on you. And uh, you realised you'd sort of bled so much time there and sort of realised you weren't actually going to make that qualifying time. You, um, I guess you made the, the tough decision and it was your first DNF of your career to pull out. And I think that was at the 37K mark. Is that right? Probably around 34 or 35K from memory, okay. something around that. Yeah, Chicago, that, the hammy twinged at about maybe the halfway mark and yeah. then it just kept pulling. Um, and I, I think I had to stop maybe three or four times to stretch it out and I, I kept running on it and uh, I bled a heap of time yeah. in that race. You still and... ran a 216.29 so it was still a good result yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, I wasn't too far off the qualifying standard. What, but what, what was, pace were was... you running on at the like the 25-30k mark? Were you sort of sitting around that qualifying time or were you running quicker than that? Uh, well before I started ham- having the ham- hamstring issues I was probably on about two Two ten thirty to two eleven thirty pace, something yeah, around right. that, wow. and okay. I was I was feeling really comfortable, yeah. and um, I kind of got myself stuck with three guys, um, were kind of isolated, and it was a really windy day, and I kind of thought this was like a really windy section from about twenty through to about thirty k, and I I kind of had the idea of um, I'll work with this pack and kind of. Um, then just storming home in the last 12k and um, yeah had the hamstring issues and um, they just started twinging and then yeah just basically limps the whole way back to the um, finish line and um, the race there's a race director's car following me along that race and they thought I was going to pull out but um, strangely even though I was limping towards the finish line I was still passing a few of the uh, Kenyans which were went out a bit too hard yeah and, okay uh, yeah I think I finished finished the race in eleventh place. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, was yeah. there a time that you were chasing for in that race, or was there a time that you felt you had to, to hit to get the uh, to get the qualifying time? Like, I kind of just thought I was in sub to eleven okay. shape. Yeah, I had done some really good training and um, definitely knew I was in some really good shape. Um, but yeah, kind of. And my last, basically, threshold before the race, I um, came around the corner and twinged my hamstring. My, my foot's, um, my landing foot slid from underneath me as I was going around the corner. So my inside leg, it slipped through and pulled the hamstring a little bit. I don't know. I think I did a couple of sessions between doing, hurting my hamstring 
to the race where I probably did it a little bit too hard because I kind of wanted to get some confidence back that my hamstring was good and I don't know. I, I did some silly mistakes there as well. I did think I was in some good shape. So you come back from Chicago. Did you have Biwa as, as, as the next race in your mind then? Or was it a matter of seeing how long it took to, to come good to rehab this hammy? Well, I kind of knew that the hamstring wasn't like a serious strain or anything like that. Mm. Um, I, I just knew it was just a issue, like a, maybe a neural type of issue. And I should I should be able to get rid of it pretty quickly and... I don't think it took too long to, to rehab and get over, uh, maybe maybe three or four weeks for it to get back to normal. And then uh, I was training like normal after that and we we penciled in Lake Biwa. Um, I thought that that was going to be the best option for me to run a qualifier. And in between those, when you said three or four weeks, is that just recovery that it came good or did you actually have to do some sort of recovery in the gym? Like some strength was, and conditioning or? I was uh, doing just a little bit of uh, light running and that just to kind of just re- recover from the marathon, but also try and get over the the hamstring issues too. So I, okay. I did do some rehab stuff in the gym and some like stretching stuff and try and fix it. And yep. some, uh, I, I got a lot of osteo treatments through that time as well. Really helped. All right. So BWA, you've decided to pull that because um, obviously, you know, the hammy was gone. You blew yeah. the time. And uh, yeah. you still wanted to um, sort of have something to race again before the qualifying window closed. Now, you're unable to get a spot over there in London, which is unfortunate, but uh, your old running coach, Gregor, um, had a connection and got you into Warsaw there. And that was on the last day of the qualifying period. So, geez, the pressure's on now, Liam. And, uh, <laughs> and you wanted to run a 2.15 and you ran a 2.14.58. Finally achieved your dream of racing for Australia the Olympics. So um, that was um, a relief for everybody definitely for yourself but uh, everyone else that was following along yeah then four months later you towed the line over there in rio with uh with michael shelley and scott westcott now things didn't really go that great i wouldn't say it was probably um the perfect day for you with that i think you had a, a bit of a slip at the start of the race and you rolled your ankle is that right and it took you a while to sort of um find your comfort zone in that race as well yeah so um probably wasn't a an ideal prep i guess i think it was the first the day that I got announced um, on the team, I had a race down at Great Ocean Road. I did a 14k race, and um, I stayed the night down in a an accommodation, a house that I hadn't been to before. And uh, I was walking out the front to go get my bag. This was just after the race. I was walking out the front to go grab my bag from the car, and I missed a set of a flight of three stairs, and I fell like kind of forward and jarred jarred my foot and then i had a few issues for maybe three or four weeks but um i had an absolute guru um osteo steve denine and he uh got me back to normal i had no issues with it whatsoever and through the like it was a couple of weeks where i was struggling a little bit but then yeah with his treatments he got me back to normal and i didn't really feel it that was until right up until the warm-up where i i slipped um during the warm-up just doing a bit of out and back because there was wasn't much like many places where you could run uh, for the warm up. So I was there's a lot of people just going up and back and you're kind of dodging people. And uh, on a turn that I was doing to turn to run back to uh, back the other way, I kind of slipped out and uh, kind of aggravated that jarred ankle. And I pretty much felt it every single um, step of the race. So mm. that wasn't ideal, but um, 
What's going yeah. through your mind right there? Like, how do you sort of shut that out and say, like, it'll be right, it'll come good? Just, uh, like, <laughs> that must be tough. There must be lots of swear words. Oh, I just, just my luck. It just seemed like everything yeah. seemed to be going wrong for me that year uh, with the, the qualification period and, and yeah, just that happening at the start line. Yeah. And I guess I, I could feel it a little bit throughout the race, but I wouldn't necessarily think that that was the, the major thing that went wrong with my race in uh, Rio. I kind of felt it was this drink station, maybe at about the 25K mark I went, grabbed a drink and um i was had this idea of when once i got through the halfway mark i'd storm through the field and uh try and negative split and i seemed to be picking up a whole heap of places through the the middle section of the race and i was flying past everyone and i went to this drink station grabbed a drink and i think i might have went too long without taking a breath whilst having a, a sip and um yeah, I got this instant flush through the legs. My legs went heavy and I went from flying past everyone to running the exact same pace as everyone. And then um, maybe 10K later, all the guys I was flying past came, <laughs> was coming past me. So um, I don't know. I think that that was probably my major major problem with the, the Rio run. But I still managed... 31st overall out of I think it was about 180 and um I kind of set before the race a goal of top 30 was kind of the pass mark so I didn't quite get it but with all things said and how the race panned out I I think that was fairly reasonable effort definitely mate. first Aussie home and 216.12 so what sort of time were you running do you think you're on for that day I think I was probably, I should have finished maybe, there was two guys I was coming through the field with and I think they finished around 20th. Uh, I think they ran about 2.14 something maybe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so about two minutes or so I kind of bled over that that last um, 17K. And that famous photo of it looks like you're you're wobbly as mate, but that was that was you slipping on a line. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it no, looks that, like you've that... got a major bonk. But <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, the at the start um, of the race because it was just bucketing down rain, everyone was slipping over at the start, and then I think it started to get pretty heavy again towards the finish line when I was finishing. So I think the first couple of guys in front, the guys a couple of places ahead of me were slipping a little bit. And then I nearly fell over, just I slid across the line. And then Meb, who was maybe two spots behind me, he slipped over before getting to the finish line. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, he uh, just made a bit of a joke about it and started doing some push-ups on the finish line and then just before crossing the line and uh, then got across the line. And, yeah, they I think just after that, they decided to get someone out with the towels and keep wiping it down yeah, every yeah. time someone got close to that finish line. All right, so keeping on the marathon theme, which all we'll do tonight, is um, 2017, you head over to Berlin, ninth, mate, 2.12.52. So that's that's a huge result. That's obviously a PB by a couple of minutes. Uh, yeah, so it was a PB by about a minute. And I kind of, like, I guess the, I had had all these issues with races before before that and, like, the, the, the preparation before Rio. And then, obviously, Rio didn't go well, so... I think my debut marathon was a 2.14.09 and then my next marathon was a a 2.13.49 or something like that at Glasgow Commonwealth Games. So I kind of feel like I was should have been running those type of times that I did in Berlin or even quicker 
than what I did in Berlin. But it was just kind of like, just because everything was going wrong in those previous years, it was good to just get a good solid PB by like a minute or so. Yeah, just show that I've been doing a bit of progression, which was was kind of funny because that prep for Berlin, things weren't going that great. Uh, I think there was lots of days that I had to have off just because of being uh, absolutely exhausted from work or a little bit of sickness and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I just thought I wasn't going to – I was going to Berlin and I thought I wasn't going to run that well and uh, managed to – to exceed my expectations and run a personal best and finish top 10 yeah. at a world majors. So, yeah, um, definitely. yeah I, was, I was pretty happy with that result, yeah. Yeah, and it's a great result, but did you actually feel really good and in control the whole time? Uh, yeah, um, I did. Um, I felt pretty good. Um, I was slipping about out a bit towards the finish line just because it was a bit wet. It wasn't an ideal um, race again. I don't know. I, I just seemed to be cursed with all these bad weather races. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I was slipping out a bit towards the end, but, um, I was just picking up person after person after person. So there's a lot of confidence coming through and, um, there's a bit of a pack that I had running with and I was kind of running away from most of the guys. And, um, there's probably, I think there's about three of us, which kind of broke away from the, the pack. We had a bit of a sprint finish at the end and, uh. Yeah, I, I think I finished off pretty strong. So, yeah, I, I was really happy with that run and it showed a bit of progression. So, I, yeah, it was a good result. Yep, and did that result get you onto the um, the Com Games in 18 up on the goalie? Or? Uh, yes, it did. That was my qualifying standard that got me onto that team. Now, um, that was a great day, but a memorable day. It was fantastic to see Shelley win back-to-back uh, you know, golds in the marathon. That's absolutely huge, wasn't it? But, and yeah, silver, yep. silver before that. So, like a silver and two golds in, in three games it's fantastic absolutely incredible result he's he, he just knows how to do it on the day he's, yeah exactly yeah very very smart runner and yeah. yeah he produces it on the when he's wearing that uh green and gold how, how, how did your i mean you got 221.08 finishing fifth how, how did you consider your, your race that day uh it was another shocker so I was up there with the, the front guys and um, there's a little bit of tactics towards um, the halfway mark and um, there's quite a few aggressive surges and kind of covered them. I think in what, one of the surges that I kind of covered, I kind of knew instantly that, oh, I can feel it and it's, I was getting a bit of a sting from it and I kind of backed it off a bit. I think I'd done, done the damage and... Uh, it's kind of just a slow fade from there. So yeah, it wasn't uh, starting to cramp up with the legs locking up. It was just just running out of path. That's all you had? Uh, yeah, just yeah. a very bad slow fade. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple of other little niggles and stuff like that, which yeah. were causing problems. But uh, it's just it was just poor running by me and not knowing the conditions well enough. Mm. And mm. Like yeah, Callum Hawkins. Just real, yeah, well, that's it. He's an incredible runner and sure. I think, yeah, since Gold Coast, he uh, he's done another hot marathon at the World Champs. Yes, and, uh, he performed well. Oh, he did, yeah. yeah. So. All right, October 2018, um, you head down and you win Melbourne in 2.15.13. Um, yeah. Awesome. And then uh, only four weeks later, you head over to the Kobe Marathon in Japan and you finished second with a 2.14.38. Sort of got to ask the reason two marathons so close to each other and um, sort of how far out had you made that decision to do those two marathons? And how well did you sort of perform so good in those two marathons? I mean, that's a fast turnaround, mate. Well, I'd made the plans 
probably around Gold Coast Half Marathon. I thought it was around then where I kind of confirmed with Kobe Marathon that I'd do it. And yeah, I just wanted to test the body out and see how well I could back up after a marathon. And mm. uh, it proved out quite well. It did. Um, it did. Yeah. How did you actually? I yeah. mean, obviously, you know, a great result. You pretty much ran, you know, 20 to 35 seconds faster. But um, how did it actually feel? Did you actually feel stronger in the first one than you did in the second one, sorry, than you did the first? Uh, well, both of those marathons, I had blister issues. So, um, do you ever do you ever do a race lane that you don't have any issues? <laughs> is, is that your dream goal? People say, how fast do you want to run a marathon? You say, no, I just want to do one without any issues. Fantastic yeah. weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still haven't got a fantastic weather marathon yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm still waiting for that day. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I think I've, I've always had a few little issues in in mm-hmm. all my marathons, but yeah. I did Melbourne Marathon in a pair of Adios and got blisters from that. Um, and then the next next race I did in Kobe Marathon, I decided to change the shoes and uh, I wore a, a pair of Next Percents. And uh, I had a little bit of the same plan as what I did for um, for Rio, where I decided, all right, I'm going to run through the field and come home strong in the last half. And I, I kind of executed that fairly well, but I think it was about the, the 27K mark where I started getting... I could feel this massive blister underneath my foot. I just basically limped towards the finish line, but I still managed to to get second. And I think I was slightly closing in on the the guy who won it. It's just so the winning, yeah, his he, winning time was two fourteen something as well. Or uh, I could see him; he was okay. in the distance, but yeah. I was like closing the gap. I think he might have been about thirty seconds yeah. in front of me. Was 40 he a Japanese runner? No, he was a Moroccan. Okay. Um, yeah, so I was a Moroccan first and a Moroccan second. Uh, third, sorry. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I was in between them. In between a Moroccan and a hard place. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. In between those two marathons, do you just recover from Melbourne, jog for a week or so, let everything sort of settle down, maybe do one or two sort of marathon sessions and then just go into the next one? Like, you couldn't have done a lot in between. Well, I, I kind of got straight back into the running i um just like a little bit of light running for the first half a week and then i actually raced the bernie 10k uh, a week after that marathon and i came second behind stewie um but he absolutely just he absolutely destroyed me and he absolutely destroyed the course record so um yeah yeah i kind of ran solo in that a bit it's not always good to go back and look at what you've done before, but do you look at that period and go, geez, I was fit, I was, I was going really, really well, and try to figure out why? Uh, I do sometimes. I, I do look back and I go, geez, like I was running so well or training was going so well. I kind of just like certain sessions kind of remind me of certain training sessions I did back in the past or whatever, yeah. and I just go, oh, geez, that used to come a bit easier than what it does now. Or yeah, yeah. then again, there's some sessions that I do now which are, are a lot better than what I used to do. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just may, may – it might come a little bit harder just the just with the recovery and stuff like that just because yeah. just balancing the work, full-time work and yeah. that. All right, 2019, um, Gold Coast hold the Oceano Marathon Championships. That was added added extra because it benefit, I should say, because it had the points there. Being the Oceano Championships that uh, that's going to help your Tokyo Olympic campaign. I think they also had cash incentive. I don't know if they do that every year, but there was an extra 40 grand for any male that sort of broke the 210. 
Is that was that yeah. just for that um, Oceana, or is that what they do every year? They were kind of. They might have implemented that maybe the year before. So would that they, be sitting up there this year? Or? Could possibly be there, but yeah, I haven't really checked into that if they yeah. have it this year. Maybe COVID reasons and the mm. fact that they didn't have the race last year, maybe budgets yeah, don't yeah. allow them to put up that type of cash okay. grab yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, maybe maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I, I just haven't heard about it. So yeah, 40K for sub-210 male and sub-225 for female. Obviously, the Olympic qualifying standard 211.30, and I um, hate to bring this up again, but uh, it's a great story. And the Liam Adams story is 211.36, finishing sixth. <laughs> um, now, we spoke yeah. about this last time, Mum. Tom, I had you on, and um, yeah, I asked whether you knew you were that close, and you knew you were sort of really, really um, running close to that. And because the last couple of kilometres, I mean, we might as well go through it again, but I think you were running about 2.10 pace and then uh, something happened towards the end. Maybe it was just getting hot and it started to get to you and you, oh. and you knew you were dropping time and you thought, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Oh, well, there was a, a large section of that race because it was a, a, a really windy day. Generally, you, you never get wins like that at Gold Coast Unless or Gold Coast Marathon. Unless there, and then it happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, yeah. yeah. If I'm racing, you're, yeah. you're going to get that. So I'll, I'll know not to that, follow you around. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that weekend, they uh, closed all the beaches just because of the winds and the... Yeah, okay. Um, just it was bringing large waves and whatever else. Yeah, I I sailed through with a bit of a, a good tailwind through the middle section, and I think I got myself to about a sub. I think I was on sub two ten pace at about the maybe the thirty five k mark, and when I made the turn around for the last seven k into the wind, yeah, <laughs> I, I, maybe I was a little bit cooked coming into the wind, but yeah, I just was in no man's land, and it was just a hell of a last seven k. So. Mm. I was I was going pretty slow that last seven k unfortunately and yeah blew blew out a lot of time so um, yeah I went from roughly around two ten pace to hoping and trying to get that two eleven thirty like what the original plans were and uh, yeah. yeah unfortunately fell six seconds short and then I think there was a, there was a, a hope that maybe because it was the Oceania Marathon Championships that might sort of help help you out well uh, the original plans to do that gold coast marathon was to go get some points um because right. i thought that maybe that was going to be like the wisest thing to do just try and chase points because no one had really been running sub to 11 30s in the the previous years and i thought yeah points were probably going to be what everyone was going to be chasing coming into the olympics so okay. but before that um gold coast marathon brett and jack both ran some uh awesome times in london so yeah. uh they they got underneath that to 11:30 which meant that third spot probably now has to be time if you're going to if you're going to try and make the team it was a 2:11:30 you need to run so it kind of changed my idea of running for points to yeah chasing that qualifying time to 11:30 yeah, that, that became the new target. So that's July and then total line over there in Berlin in September. Because yeah. obviously Berlin's a great place to go to chase that uh, 2.11.30. There are obviously going to be a lot of guys there forming a group to do that. But yeah, unfortunately, a bit of a, a workplace incident in the weeks leading up to it. The old mask yeah. came off in the roof cavity, took in a lung full of <laughs> dust and uh, made you pretty crook. Yeah. But you jumped on the plane, went over there, hoping for the best. But unfortunately, um, yeah, that, uh, that illness leading in has sort of dealt a bit of a blow. Yeah, um, I, I had to I do your I second spoke. DNF, which I know uh, you didn't really want to have to do. But again, it was all yeah. about um, leaving something in the body to uh, to have another shot at it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I spoke to you a couple of days before that race, and um, yeah, reality was 
I uh, had a bit of a chest infection for a month, probably a month and a half, and I wasn't quite over it. I knew um, I knew it was still affecting me for that race, but I just paid five. I'd well previously before I got sick, I'd paid five and a half grand for flights, accommodation, and whatever else. So I was just like, well, I'm not going to let that go to waste. Mm. <laughs> I just thought it's just a free shot, basically, um, to try and get the qualifying standard and. Uh, I think I was on it for maybe 25 to 30K. And yeah, I just started falling off it pretty quickly after that. And the chest wasn't going too well. And yeah, yeah, I think once again, I I decided to make the uh, effort of just, oh, well, I decided that it was probably best that I pulled out at about the roughly around the 35k mark again mm. and uh yeah i just didn't want to make make it any worse than what it was yeah. so yeah i was co- coughing a fair bit during those that last 5k you're doing all right psychologically mate to be able to just keep getting up and uh, getting back <laughs> into it again i'll tell you what you're tough as nuts um <laughs> you need that resilience being a car obviously obviously so. <laughs> mate. yeah, I, yeah I, I wonder if you do it to yourself sometimes mate life's getting a bit too comfortable yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, in December, mid-December, you head over to Taipei, uh, Taipei, I should say, in, in Taiwan, and um, yeah, you sort of jog out of 238.24. Now, I'm just sort of thinking about that. Is that just, obviously, you know, a bit of a pay trip and some pocket money, but is that so the race organisers to sort of maintain some sort of level status for, for the uh, race? Yes, it was. Yep. So, um, yeah, I was just training like normal, just a slow build-up through that period of time. And, yeah, I got a message within a week of a marathon they were in desperate need of a, a labelled, a gold, silver or bronze labelled athlete. And at the time I was a, a bronze label athlete. Yeah, these races need a certain amount of labelled athletes to to start on their start line and cross the finish line for them to retain their labelled status. So, yeah, they had to, they had quite a few labelled athletes, but um, with the, with quite a few of the Kenyans, they just go to these races and chase for the pocket money. So, they're a bit concerned that uh, quite a few of them will pull out of the race once they realise that they're out of the the prize money pool. So, they kind of asked myself and maybe a couple of other, other runners from Europe if we could do the race and just make sure that we get to the finish line and, help them retain their labeled status so um yeah, yeah. the idea was just to go go do a bit of a training session and that and uh I, that's that's kind of what i did yeah. i kind of tried to help out a fellow fellow aussie who was um who is racing marnie ponton and uh yeah she was trying to chase a fast time there so i went and paced her for about half of it and i kind of promised my coach that i wouldn't run too hard so um i kind of backed off a little bit and just jogged to the finish line and i caught a couple of the other female runners towards the end um i think it might have been a six six place female runner and she was like begging me to try and help pace her to get her to the finish line and okay. uh, <laughs> yeah so there were like a few people that i helped pace that day and i just did it as a bit of a training session and yeah, yeah uh, and all all expenses paid trip which had a little bit of pocket money as well so yeah yeah which is over for a few days and straight back to work yeah basically so yeah. i flew out i think it was friday night and then i yeah i actually had the monday off as well i yeah. asked work for the monday off so flew back on the monday yeah, yeah. it wasn't too bad they yeah. they flew me premium economy as well so it was a good day oh there you go yeah, stretch the legs yeah. out yep <laughs> yeah <laughs> sweet 
nice little um, Christmas present for you. Yeah, they don't really come around that often for yeah, me. Yeah, so. <laughs> sure. No, take a while you yeah. get it, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 8th of March 2020, fly back over to Lake, Lake uh, Biwa once again. Now, yeah. conditions, because Liam was there, were far from perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Inclement weather at the start there and, um, and the outbreak of a COVID pandemic, which we all know we can blame on you now. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> must well, have been you. So yeah, awesome. Finally, mate, I was, I was watching that. I was just uh, stressing on uh, watching the stream, waiting to see your uh, the, the jersey pop around uh, on the track. But um, yeah, once again, you grind your way to the finish and you run your two ten forty eight, which was the fastest qualifying time. So yeah, in the number one seat there, as you mentioned before, with um, Brett Robinson and Jack Rayner running in London. Um, where yep. Brett, Brett ran two ten fifty five. Jack 211.06. So, yeah, you're 210.48, number one spot. So, um, yeah, that must have been awesome relief, yeah, to finally uh, do it. And uh, still not uh, exactly um, confident you're going to be um, get to Tokyo because you don't know what's coming up. But uh, considering what you've been through, it must have been insane, insane feeling. Oh, definitely. Well, um, yeah, just once again, things didn't go too well. So um, the start of my preparation, we had those fires basically victoria new south wales and whatever else and yeah, um yeah. I, I was looking to go up to falls creek and do some altitude training um for that preparation and yeah. uh yeah the the fires had caused the yeah. evacuation of falls creek and whatever else so i couldn't get up until a lot later than i would have liked um so yeah basically in my first week up at falls creek when i finally got up there um, just with all the smoke and the issues that I that we were still we were still having a little bit of smoke issues up there, I was just like, I don't think I've got enough time to do a good proper preparation for Lake Biwa. So I kind of was looking towards getting into London Marathon, and uh, I sent a few messages out and tried to get into London Mar- Marathon, and uh, once again some politics there, and uh, I couldn't get into that field, so I just had to go all out and give it my all and um yeah basically i did a hard block of training up at falls creek took some time off work and uh got myself into some pretty good shape but i still kind of thought that i might have been slightly underdone and felt like i could get myself into a little bit better shape but um i kind of knew that i was in sub to 11 30 shape and that was the aim once i was there but uh once i got uh into the the whole travel was (laughs) Yeah, I had I had issues with my flights. Um, it's a delayed flight out of Melbourne meant that I I missed my international flight from Sydney to Tokyo or well Sydney to Osaka, which meant that I had to spend twelve hours in Sydney and then fly into Tokyo. What um, you sitting in the terminal then, for twelve hours or? Uh, they gave me for a an apology for their delays and whatever else they gave me a hotel room for half a day so i still had to spend six hours in the terminals yeah yeah. did you (laughs) get to sleep for that six hours in the hotel room oh i decided to yeah make the most of it have a sleep in the in the hotel room and then um yeah once i got back into the airport it was just basically wait around for this plane and then that plane flying out of sydney ended up being delayed so when i arrived in tokyo um i missed my connecting flight i then had to spend another half a day at tokyo airport waiting around um so by the time that i got to to lake biwa or at the race hotel it was late afternoon 
Friday, Friday just before the race, and I was racing Sunday morning. So yeah, okay. it wasn't ideal preparation, and I was a bit pissed off and stressed out. And then, mm. yeah, just things where just looking at the the um, predicted weather, <laughs> I was just like, oh, I just can't catch a break here. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, race day, it was freezing cold, wet, windy, and um, yeah horrible conditions for a race and um what happened at the start line was um we were on the start line about to go and uh they had some uh technical issues with uh the starters gun or or the timing system so we're standing on the start line waiting to go kind of in a a a ready position and it went on for more than 10 minutes um we're standing at the start line so they've just decided to delay the race by another 10 minutes so we kind of ran back underneath the into the underneath the grandstand um to try and get warm and uh and that and my back was kind of seizing up because it was just so cold and quads were a little bit tight and yeah we went in everyone's kind of huddling behind like kind of get close to these heaters and whatever else and uh yeah i was looking around uh searching for something to keep myself warm and i thought i might as well wear it steal someone's poncho and uh, wear it for maybe 5K, the first 5K to try and warm up again. So <laughs> decided yeah. to wear that poncho to kind of keep keep warm and uh, and that until I was finally warm. And then was ideally wanted to throw it at around the 5K mark, but um, that poncho was kind of a bit like a parachute. So it was collecting all this air. So I kind of got rid of it a bit early, maybe at about the 2.5K mark yeah. into the race. I decided to throw it away just because it was a bit risky. Um, restrictive and yeah I just another day where just things weren't going well and yeah uh, early, early on in the race like from the starter from the starter's gun I kind of had tight quads and yeah just felt them the whole way and I was just hoping and praying that whole race that they weren't going to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah. I wasn't going to get cramping or anything like that yeah no I mentioned last time we spoke about this and um yeah, the telecast, it was it was showing, um, obviously, at the front, all you guys were there, and I, I could see you uh, get rid of the poncho out to the side, um, and then and then the, the group started to split up. I think it was about the 10K mark, and then we sort of lost sight of you. Every now and then, we'd see you sort of disappearing by yourself and no one else around you, and I'm thinking, oh, no, he's going to be stuck on his own in this terrible weather. It's going to make it so hard. But I remember you saying Ooh. that it, it wasn't too bad. You eventually started to... Um, have a couple of guys to run with some that were coming back to you from that well, front group. Yeah, they um they kind of started off slow um early on because I think they because cause we'd all kind of lost our warm up just yep. by standing around for so long. I think the some of the high profile managers told the pacemakers to kind of start off slow and then build it up a bit towards the end. And um yeah, we're bunched early on and I found myself right up at the front and felt pretty good and I, I rolled around with that pack um, for I don't know maybe 10 to 12k and then they really started ramping it up a bit so they were running a few 255s per k and I just thought oh that's probably a bit too hot um, so I kind of let them go and I just kind of went solo from there and I had a little bit of a pack maybe till about 17k or maybe not even that I think it was about 15k and then I was just like, yep, you have to run solo here. You, these guys are pr- blowing up a bit. The reason why they didn't go with the pack was probably because they were already blowing up. So, yeah, it was solo from there and just had to time trial again, time trial it into the wind. Yeah, just had no help. And then because I, I had missed the um, race briefing 
on the Friday are still unsure of what the rules were. So it was an out and back course. So the the road was shut, but a lot of the Japanese runners were always sticking to the left side of the road. They would never run the tangents of the road. And I kind of stuck with that type of um, thought process. So I wasn't kind of going onto the other side of the road to make it the closest possible um, distance to the marathon. I kind of stuck to the left side of the road because I thought maybe that was the rules. But when I got towards the the pointy end of the field, um, I noticed a lot of the international guys and a few of the uh, the Japanese runners, which were at the, the front of the field, they were running the tangents. So they were on the other side of the road. And um, yeah, I kind of lost a bit of time through that. And yeah, yeah. I don't know, there was points towards the end of that race where I just the, the wall of wind was just constant and I just knew it was going to take a, a whole mental effort to just keep grinding into that wind to get that qualifying standard. And yeah, that was just the that was just in my mind the whole whole last 20 Ks, I guess. Like it was just a you need to keep the pace hot right now. You need to keep churning out fast Ks and keep pushing, keep pushing because it was going to come down to to seconds maybe at the end with what happened at gold coast marathon i just knew i just couldn't switch off for a second i ran through the field and uh i think i I might have ended up about 13th spot and uh yeah and ran at least 42 ran 42 seconds underneath the qualifying standard to i think it might have been one of the fastest times since lee troop um ran so okay yeah might have been the fastest time by an Australian for 13 years. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it was a, I was pretty happy with that result. So that takes us up to where we are now. Obviously, no other runner was um, <laughs> able to sort of better those times um, well, due to that limited racing opportunities and, and COVID. Well, so I'd uh, kind of looked towards doing Lake Biwar again this year. Okay. And I, I did this really good preparation leading towards it. And uh, it wasn't until halfway through my marathon prep. Uh, and I guess I kind of knew that it was a bit of a toss of the coin of whether I would be able to race at Lake Biwar again or not. But I uh, found out halfway through my marathon prep for this, this year's Lake Biwar that I wasn't able to, um, they weren't really allowing international runners to run because yeah. they had a, Japan at the time had a, a two week quarantine at the, I think maybe Tokyo, at the Tokyo airport right like a, a hotel at the Tokyo airport and the race directors couldn't organize or confirm that we would be able to get treadmills in there. So I basically knew that that was going to be a pointless thing to do. Um, it was going to be too much money to spend yeah. on that trip. So there may have been an opportunity for someone else to actually do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think, and there, I think there was a couple of runners which yeah. tried to, to go chase some times overseas. I think one runner went to Canada in the last maybe month or so to try and get a qualifying standard and i think they they may have run about 213 something 214 so um yeah i kind of i wanted to get there because i wanted to improve my personal best and i thought that two sub 210 should have been on the cards and i reckon i got myself into that type of shape had a really good marathon prep even though um i'd been told that i wasn't gonna i wasn't going to be able to race this marathon in lake biwa i kind of thought well the previous year had been just absolutely shocking training with just uh covid restrictions in melbourne Mm. and uh it really affected my training and i put a really big focus on work um just because there was no races that i could do last year 
So, yeah, I just focused on work and the training took a bit of a backseat and just, yeah, just hour limits on runs and curfew times meant that, yeah, I couldn't train every single day. So I kind of thought that I'd use this prep, like this um, this original Lake Biwa prep as like a, a big training block to try and make up for last year's lack of mileage and, and yeah. stuff like that. And I thought that I could bank this um, all this training and kind of use it towards uh, the Olympics if I got selected. So, yeah. so I kind of feel that that training never went to waste, even yeah. though I never got to go do this race, which ended up being uh, the best depth race that has ever been ran. So okay. I was absolutely shattered. <laughs> oh, mate, it'll come, I'm sure, mate, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, Rio, you got on the last day of qualifying and, and – when you think about Tokyo, you know, it was probably the last race that it was actually able for you to actually qualify in because of what actually happened afterwards. So you're yeah, just always yeah. getting through on the last skin, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, if COVID hadn't taken a place, what marathons would you have done since like BWA that you qualified in and now? And you're saying obviously you would have done BWA this year. Would you have done some other marathons in between? Well, if there was the opportunity to race another one, I probably would have taken it up. Just because you wanted, to, you, you felt you just could work, could improve on that PB, which, oh, which well, may not happen in 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 Sapporo because of the the weather you're going to come up against. Well, I kind of took it like just because last year, just being under the restrictions and the curfews and yeah. whatever else, and could only run an hour per day, it yeah. wasn't going to be an ideal preparation. So yeah. Yeah. I just kind of wanted something there to try and um, keep the focus on and have something to train towards in the meantime just to keep the motivation up and that. And, yeah, the, the opportunity never came around. There was yep. one race that I was looking at, but um, then the race director said, no, nah, it's been cancelled. So, mm. And they cancelled it pretty early in the in my prep. So yeah, yeah. then it was just like another race cancelled or, a, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. the motivation was just <laughs> pushed back a little bit further just because another race had been postponed. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it I was obviously... Yeah, nicer for you that you already ran your two ten forty eight. I mean, there's obviously the other guys there who, who wanted badly to race because they hadn't ran the qualifier. You know. Yeah. I, well, I know I Harry think... was Harry Summers was over in Kenya and he was chasing a marathon and uh, yeah he obviously ran out of time. I'm not too sure what he's up to now, but yeah. yeah. Well, um, I think the fact that they postponed the Olympics allowed everyone to reset yep. and to get a good training block in and some guys which may have been injured. Who wouldn't been, who wouldn't have been able to yeah. um, get a marathon in before the qualification period end? They ended up getting another opportunity to ch- chase that Olympic dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, I think, yeah, just COVID affected all these races and yeah. Yeah. just made it tough for guys to go overseas and try and chase these qualifying standards. It yeah. was just a, a massive overlay for people. So yeah. they'd be. They'd be paying for their flights, accommodation. And not knowing and, how yeah. long they're going to be over there for and when they can get home. Exactly. Yeah. And the the talks were for you to kind of try and get yourself back home. You'd have to pay for like a, a premium economy or a business class ticket to try and get home. So that was like the little trick of trying to fast track yourself getting home yeah, okay. over everyone else. Um, so that was going to be an expensive ticket. And then um you also had to factor in hotel quarantine two weeks in uh in a hotel and spend 
three and a half grand for the hotel quarantine. So yeah. there was lots of money that we were going to have to kind of fork out. So yeah, but all us runners yeah. are rich, you know, we earn a fortune. <laughs> 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 what, what sponsors you got, Liam? And we don't have time to uh, go through them all at the moment. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll take a, a whole of one second yeah yeah <laughs> zilch that's it <laughs> yeah it's sad mate but I, we'll leave I, that for another time but um yeah yeah hopefully it'll all change look the men's marathon is going to be raced up there in Sapporo um Sunday the 8th of August the last day of the Olympics as usual um yeah. and it starts at seven o'clock your time eight o'clock our time so it's going to be either early Sunday morning run or, or a late late run uh, for us because we'll all be uh, tuned in watching it so obviously they moved that up it's 830 k's north of tokyo i've just looked there it's seven and a half hours by the bullet train or 17 hour drive so um it is yeah. a lot further north of tokyo than what i thought i had a look on the map and uh, yeah, right up the north end yeah so that yeah, was obviously to try to get more favorable sort of uh, climate but apparently it's still going to be pretty hot isn't it yeah i believe the the whole idea behind that was at the time of morning, Tokyo is eight degrees warmer than Sapporo at that time of the morning. Okay. So yeah, that's a lot, isn't it? Eight degrees. So, wow. So what is the yeah, expected temperature that they've told you guys on on race morning? Anywhere between twenty two degrees and twenty five, yep. I believe. And yeah. humidity or still going to be Up humid, there. but not as not right. as humid as say Tokyo. Right, so yeah. so 60s I, I believe or something like that, seventies maybe. Yeah, I think Tokyo was just going to be absolutely brutal. Yeah. Yeah, um, sure. temperature yeah. and yeah, yeah. i guess from all the heat that the commonwealth games copped for the the marathon with mm. what happened with hawkins and then mm. the world um, champs. Yeah. and then the world champs as well yeah. um just yeah. those brutal conditions they thought yeah, yeah we needed to do something <laughs> about marathon's this, not so. hard enough and they chuck you out in this, <laughs> like beijing and athens and like it just doesn't stop let's just pick the hottest country to go to and run a marathon <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think a, a lot of the times it's based around um, TV TV audiences and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, What's yeah. the most ideal time for the largest TV audience? So, yeah. yeah, that's kind of one of the reasons why a World Championships marathon hasn't really appealed to me was just the fact that there's always in brutal conditions and yeah. there was never really a thought process behind, yeah. Yeah. behind it. and. I don't know. Ideally, I just wanted to try and run faster and get PB. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, well, it's looking like Eugene might be a good one to do. So that might be my first world champs team doing a marathon. But ask the question: When do you actually guys actually fly out? And I believe you go straight to Sapporo. You're not actually going to Tokyo, is that right? I've been hearing a little bit of information. Right. Um, I, from what I understood originally there was going to be a separate hotel away from the village for like the walkers and and the marathon runners in Sapporo. I don't know. I, I heard someone. So when you say, say village, that, they actually got a village in Sapporo for. Uh, is, nah, is it, it's no, it's just it's just going to be a a, a race hotel. Yeah, so okay. it'll be a lot different to sure. the village. Of course. Yeah. Um, but then I heard recently that they might throw us in the village because I guess maybe because just quarantine type issues and whatever else so right. it's either going to be we're we're staying in a hotel in Sapporo and it's going to be pretty strict hotel quarantine type conditions where we'll we'll be in the hotel and then we'll only be able to really go out and maybe um, do training and then basically back to the hotel and whatever else so you won't really be able to adventure yeah. out anywhere else yeah. or we might be in the village where you'll have a little bit more room yeah you just run the 
run the issue of if there's a little outbreak in the village, then if you're regarded as a close contact, then it's going to be um, an automatic two-week quarantine. Um, But um, there's talks that if you've had the COVID jab, then you might not be subjected to that two-week quarantine in Japan, but you'll still have a two-week quarantine coming home. So I believe that we're flying out of maybe, I think, yeah, we fly from Cairns to Sydney, then Sydney into Tokyo. I think maybe we land four days before the event. Um, which I think it's going to be it's going to be fine. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll fly. I think it's a flight to Tokyo, then a flight from Tokyo the next day into Sapporo. So we're not there for a great deal of time. Yeah. But we're we're in the same time zone, so yeah. that's not going to be a factor. Yeah, in fact, yeah. it's probably going to work out a lot better for us. But yeah, for sure. I guess the only issue is yeah, heat acclimatization, which hopefully Cairns conditions is basically the same as Sapporo. So that's that's the only really issue that we might have um, with a, a close kind of flight to to the race, yeah. So it's just the marathon and the, is it 20K walk or 50K walk or what's happening with the walks these days? Yeah, yeah. I think the, the walks will be before us. Yeah, um, yeah I yeah. think they, they might be about midway through the program, maybe, yeah, maybe one of the first events in the athletic program so athletic program usually starts in the second week it's awesome for us viewers mate to uh to be able to watch it in in real time you know i'm not wait up all up all night to watch these uh events it's gonna be (laughs) uh the 1500 finals on the the night before the marathon so uh might be up a little bit late for that but uh (laughs) i'll be i'll probably be tuning into that one too yeah yeah Yeah, it's gonna be interesting so yep yeah it's gonna be awesome you'd normally be racing the um the Sydney Morning Herald Half Marathon, but that's obviously normally on in um in May, but I uh, got put off. But, uh, now it's a week on week before Gold Coast, um, and I reckon by what's happened today that that will probably get cancelled. Last time I looked on Facebook, they hadn't officially cancelled it, but I can't see how there's going to yeah. be a half marathon there this weekend. The numbers yesterday, they're a bit scary. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for the uh, race director. Yeah, Sydney Morning Herald because they've been working for a very long time to get these events and they've been working with all these other events to kind of they've all been helping each other out with their COVID programs and protocols and whatever else because um, yeah apparently it's they've been finding it really hard to to deal with the government in getting these mass participation events and whatever yeah. else so yeah they they finally got got an event ready to go um, and then yeah just last few days it's all yeah come undone yeah from from what i've been seeing the race is still going ahead so i i was originally entered for that race but once it got postponed and pushed back to a week before gold coast i kind of thought that i probably shouldn't do two half marathons in a in a week yeah that might come on two marathons in four weeks (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean, Sydney's Don't been kind to you. Look, six six times you've done it with four wins in two seconds. So um, it, it's a yeah. favourite spot for you. Yeah, I enjoy it. It's a it's a tough hilly half marathon. So yeah, kind of, I've done it so many times that I now know, like, if I was to go run a certain time, then I'd know exactly what shape I'm in. So yeah, uh, no, looking at your times, there yeah. um, there was actually two years, fourteen and seventeen, you ran the same time, sixty five eleven. 
But the other ones, yeah, yeah 65 36, 64 36. Yeah, yeah 2009, you're on 62.51. So that's pretty quick on that course. Any reason why you ran a lot faster? Were you just in better shape? Was there any other reasons? Or uh, Well, generally, I think most of those times that I've done Sydney Morning Herald Half Marathon, um, I've probably, have, I'm coming, going from athletic season into cross country season. So I'm kind of coming off a little bit of a break and whatever else. So it's like one of my first races back. So, yeah, I, I guess I haven't really been too fit for those half marathons. And then that the most recent one that I did, that was kind of early on in my marathon prep for Gold Coast. So, yeah, okay. uh, yeah, I wanted a really good hit out over a half marathon and knew I was in pretty good shape. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, ran a fast time there and, yeah, just wanted to build on that after that. So yeah. Did you win uh, by a bit that... or did you drag the second guy along with you because that's obviously substantially um, faster than your other wins yeah the second guy went with me but um the second the guy who came second uh yeah he beat me the year before um so um yeah he went with me then mm. yeah i just kept kept mm. churning out a quick pace and then just put distance on him so i, I think i won by uh, i think it might have been over a minute yeah. maybe a minute and a half maybe yeah um, i would I think so I'll, yeah I'll, 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 I'd have to look at the results. Yeah. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, but yeah. I did put a fair bit of distance on the second guy. So went solo for that one. So you mentioned you're going up the goalie. Um, obviously, you've done that a few times here. I see you did. You won it in 2012, uh, 63.28. 2013, fifth in 64.49, which is slower than your other time. So I'll ask about that one in a sec. Then uh, 15, you went second in 63.29. And then 17, you went second in 63.49. So you got... Yeah, 6328, 6349, 6329. There you go. You're just, you're just like a robot. Yeah. You just find your beat and stick to it, it <laughs> looks like. And then, the, yeah. yeah, 13, 6449 and fifth. So was there any particular reason why I was a bit off that year? Uh, I was sick. Okay. Race just before it. So, yeah, yeah it wasn't ideal. So, yeah, I, I just had a pretty off day. I kind of knew that I wasn't going to run well. But yeah, I don't know. I just seem to get all these bad chest infections, and I guess it's probably linked to me being an ex-asthmatic. So yeah, 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 yeah. And hopefully not getting yeah. in too many roof cavities these days. As a <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's a bit different now. I, I've yeah. uh, over this last year, well, since COVID started, I, I've been doing a bit of a solar. So um, okay, yep. I've been doing solar sparky work, and yep. yeah, so you get um, sunburnt instead. <laughs> sunburned and then just dehydrated absolutely yeah yeah you get some brutal days on the roof where oh, it's way oh. too hot yeah, and then yeah. you get other days where it's absolutely freezing and yeah. your nose is dripping like a tap and yeah, yeah the cold air is getting to the chest so yeah um yeah <laughs> i then have to go home and, and do a session yeah <laughs> yeah that's it get home get warm and then go do a session yeah, in the cold yeah, <laughs> yeah that's unreal um, all right, so so goalie, you're heading up there. Obviously, it's going to be great this year. It's certainly a different feel with, um, I guess, just the domestic field and I guess a couple of Kiwis will come over. But, um, yeah, a chance for some Aussies to shine up, up front and pick up some pocket money. So what's the plan to go up there and just, you know, do what Liam does, race as hard as you can, or is there any other sort of motives around it? Or And well, actually, are the other guys racing? Is it, how many of the, um, of the marathon team boys and girls are actually going to be doing that race? So... All of the um, Australian marathon Olympic team are doing the half marathon. Yeah, so okay, they've they're all, all doing seen it. Yeah, that. Okay. Yep. yeah, they've all seen that as a an ideal race uh, in preparation towards yep. um, 
the Olympics. So, okay. yeah, we've all got got that in plan. And I guess, yeah, we all want to use that as a race to kind okay. of, yeah, just to gauge where we're at. And uh, obviously, I, I believe we'd all be trying to run PBs there. So, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, that, that's the thing. Yeah, we, we want to try and run fast there and show show that we're in good form and uh, yeah, get yeah. some confidence on that and then obviously build after that race and do the last little prep and use that use that race to help us with the last mm. preparation so the icing on the cake before yeah. the olympics yeah that'd be five weeks between the two wouldn't it uh yes yep yeah. so yeah august yeah because yeah, i think we're august, six and a half weeks yeah. from today so it must be yeah, five weeks from goldie yep yep oh that's gonna be awesome man <laughs> i'm gonna be love watching that and um yeah, and for the marathon, I mean, there's a lot of guys have been getting fit at at Goldie sort of focused for quite a while now, so it's going to be a great weekend, definitely. Well, yeah, I guess on the the uh, Australian scene, um, everyone's been searching for a marathon to do, and no one's yep. been able to go overseas. So um, I guess the guys which didn't make the Olympic teams, um, they're all looking for fast marathon times or maybe fast half marathon times too at Gold Coast. So. Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to see what everyone else does at Gold Coast over the marathon distance, half marathon, or even the 10K. So, yep. yeah, there's, everyone's um, kind of been deprived of mm. racing opportunities. And, uh, yeah, Gold Coast is a really big one, which just came up on the calendar, and everyone's been wanting to run some fast times there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what everyone does. How good are you feeling? Well... After that iron infusion last week, I kind of had a few days where I was pretty ill. I had one day off um, just because, yeah, just I don't know if it was the iron infusion or the, the low white blood cell count or yep. or still some lingering effects from the second Pfizer jab. Um, yep. okay. Whether that was kind of playing a role in me being a bit sick and whatever else. but yeah. um, You would think some of it would have to. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It could be a combination of everything. I think so, but yeah. yeah I, I had a little bit of an off week last week, and yeah. um, I was supposed to do a, a key marathon session on Sunday. But, um, yeah, the way I was feeling on Saturday, I had the day off, and um, I literally, like all my muscles felt pretty weak on the Saturday. Yeah. And then I just thought, yeah, call the coach and see if I can postpone that till Tuesday. And uh, did my key marathon session. It was... 34k in total where it was basically half of it was at a fast effort and then the other half was kind of like a bit of a float and i did that 34k in uh one hour and 36 minutes flat which is 307 pace so yeah, in right. total so yeah, yeah that's good with, signs. with the float yeah with the yeah. floats being in there i was yeah, yeah. i was pretty happy with that you pulled up pretty yeah. good after it yeah pulled up pretty well today yeah, yeah just Yep. A little bit towards the end of the session, I was getting a little bit of a, some cramps and stuff like that, which yep. I don't know, maybe, yeah, it could have been a few things. But overall, good signs. It was probably, it's the fastest I've done that session. I think my second fastest was maybe 50 seconds slower. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of showing I'm in good shape. And, uh, yeah, just got to see how the leg speed's going over a half marathon distance. But it looks like the legs are pretty good for the longer stuff at yep. the moment. So when did you say you can head back up to Queensland now? We're going to go up to Queensland um, the Thursday just before Gold Coast okay. um, yep. Marathon. So, uh, yeah, next Thursday we'll be up there. And you're staying in Canberra until then? Uh, until then, yep. Yep, yeah. Yep. And that's uh, the, the whole Olympic team is not in Canberra. You said some of them still in, in Melbourne. Is that right? Or Well, yeah, we all, all tried to get out of Melbourne. We'll 
there was Ali Pashley who is on the Noosa, uh, yeah. decided. Yeah, she's up in Noosa and she's yep. been there for a month. So yep, okay. she's started her heat acclimatization a lot earlier than what we have. And uh, I think, yeah, maybe around when she left, maybe a week later, we all went into lockdown. So yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. If, if we if we had have known that yeah. was going to happen, then yeah. um, I think a lot of us would have decided to go up early. But then, yeah, quite a few of us were stuck in Melbourne. Um, yeah, missed obviously missed the race and thought, yeah, need to get out. Um, so, yeah, myself, Brett Robinson, Jack Rayner and Sinead, we're, we're in Canberra at the moment. Lisa Waitman's in uh, north New South Wales. Um, so I think she was chasing a bit more heat. It hasn't been too cold. We've got rain coming tomorrow, mate, so you're going to be wet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, oh, there's, yeah. I think the rain's already started now. So pretty cold. It's a bit colder than Melbourne. I think there's been one or two days where some of those winds are just oh, just so icy. Yeah. They hit the chest and they just, oh, some horrible feeling. Can't they just reminded me, yeah. reminded me of days of uh, when I was a little kid and just used to absolutely battle through the cold winter winters in Melbourne. So, yeah, I used to get a lot of asthma attacks just basically through just the cold weather and hit my chest and then I just cough my guts out and then yeah. yeah. Hey, um, what's the situation with returning back to Australia after the Olympics? So after the marathon, where like the Japanese have said you've got two two days to leave straight after your event. So yeah. so you guys obviously um, you won't go down in Tokyo for the closing ceremony. You'll stay in Sapporo and go out of there. Uh, I'm not sure. They haven't given us the details of okay. whether we go straight to support. Um, to Tokyo and then yeah. fly out as a team. Well, like the, the ceremonies the, the ceremonies at the closing ceremony, mate, for the uh, marathon medal. So if you if you pick up a medal, mate, you're going to have to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether we'll be. They'll say you've got to stay at this hotel for okay. the night, or the, whether they'll chuck us in the the Olympic Village for one night. Okay. But um, yeah, yeah, I think we're probably going to have to all go on a chartered flight from Tokyo the next day and. Okay. Um, I'm not sure where we're flying to. Generally, last time we flew into Sydney yep. and they had a bit of a ceremony at um, the Sydney airport, but I'm not sure where we're um, doing quarantine yet. So yep. it's going to be two weeks in a hotel or or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And do you actually get tested while you're over there in Sapporo? Do they test you at any stage? Yeah, I believe they'll be testing nonstop. So okay. I think we, we have a couple of tests um, before our flight, we have maybe three within 78 hours of our flight. Right. And then, yeah, we get tested, I think, maybe every, uh, I don't know if it's every day or every second day whilst okay. we're there. So, yeah, right here. Yeah, it's full on. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just got to, <laughs> just got to hope sure, like, just make sure that we're not near any, uh, I, don't, I guess, yeah, just can't run the risk of being close to anyone who's sick. Yeah. Uh, just because that basically writes off your Olympics. What about the course? Are you guys going to have a drive around on it when you get over there? Or have you got any idea what it's actually doing? I haven't seen a great deal, but they did have a, a half marathon maybe a month and a half ago. Maybe a month ago, they had a, a trial race over the marathon course. And yeah, we got a little bit of a... We got to see a little bit of what the course is going to be like. Um, so... Yeah, I, I still want to go over the course. If they, they'll, they'll probably have a bus which goes over the course where everyone can see um, what the course is like, and I'll probably do that just to get myself familiar 
with what it's going to be like. I'm going to close this up soon, mate. I know it's getting late and yep. you've got a big session coming up. But 2022, it's a big year, mate. World Cross, hopefully here in Bathurst. World Champs, uh, as you mentioned, over that newly built stadium at Haywood Field uh, in Oregon, which is going to be huge. What, what a great place to have it um, in Eugene. And uh, the Com Games in Birmingham, but that's only... Um, I think I looked, it was basically when, when uh, the World Champs finishes, the Com Games is like five or six days later, so it's a quick turnaround. But uh, are you sort of focusing on any of those teams or maybe all of them? Or what's your sort of focus? 2022, obviously it's all about uh, what's coming up now, but uh, surely you've thought about it. Uh, well, yeah, I think we're still going to have COVID issues yep. up until then. So yep. um, so you think possibly guess... it's going to be the same deal as, as the Olympics, that they'll, they'll maybe go ahead, but it's just going to be you know crowd issues and all that sort of thing? I guess, yeah, there, there might yep. be crowd type issues yep. then and, and whatever else. So, mm. yeah, it's just going to be issues with trying to qualify. So I'm thinking that the only opportunities might be domestic to do a, a, a domestic race and try and qualify through that yep. and then look at either um, doing World Champs or Commonwealth Games or maybe even both. If, yep. Yeah, I think the I've looked at it and I think it's, Possibly a, a, a two or three week turnaround between the marathons. So, yep, okay. yeah, may, maybe that could be possible. <laughs> yeah, yep, cool. Over in Sapporo, obviously um, out sprinting Kipchoge for the win, um, and, and you running a 206 would be a dream result. Um, but if, if for some reason that doesn't happen, what would a, uh, what would a fantastic result personally be, be for Liam Adams? Um, I'm thinking similar expectations to maybe Rio, I think. I think maybe I'll, I'll look towards maybe a, a top 20 or yep. something like that. I think yep. if I can try and aim around that, then it should be a good run. And I guess you, you see what happens on the day. Yep. If everything goes well, then maybe try and get a few scalps there and, yep. and go a bit lower. Uh, I guess top 30 could be very challenging too. So yep. I don't know. You, you just never know with how everyone else's preps are going and yep if a top 30 is just going to be an absolutely incredible run for me. Who knows? Yep. A top 30 could actually mean that I need to run a personal best. Yeah, yeah, um, yep. So. Yep. And what about you, you, Jack and Brett? Do you guys just run your own race or is there any sort of team team talk there? Or uh, I think we'll all try and run our own race. Yep. But, yeah, we, we'll probably work out whether we're in similar shape and whatever else. And I don't know, some people might have – plans to go go hard from the start or we all might talk about being a bit controlled early on and then coming home strong and working as a pack so i haven't spoken to them about what they're looking at doing and i guess it's probably a bit too early to try and work that out just yet because yeah obviously you just got to see how your form goes and you only really know what what shape you're going to be in with a couple of days to go i think those are the days where you try and work out your race tactics and how you're going to go about it but i guess if yeah if we're all in similar shape and whatever else then yeah it could be a good idea to try and run hard work together and uh yeah just keep picking everyone off yeah we'll just wait and see yeah it's going to be awesome mate awesome um yeah, it's it makes Goldie even more interesting. You know what I mean? A bit more banter on, on the plane for who, who's the top dog at Goldie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Are those you know, obviously uh, you're all exceptional uh, runners, so yeah, it's going to be fantastic to watch. All right, mate, I'm going to let you go. Allow you to smack that uh, session in the rain tomorrow, mate. Um, <laughs> thanks heaps once again, mate, for chatting to us. Um, you've always no been very kind in, in giving me your time. I really appreciate it, Liam. No problems at all. No, awesome, mate, and all the best uh, with your final prep and. Uh, Like we said, the big dance in six and a half weeks.
So uh, looking forward yeah. to seeing how you go and, and all the Aussies go. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks. Fantastic, Liam. Cheers, mate.